Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The only certainty following the Tuesday elections in Israel is that uncertainty still reigns supreme in Jerusalem. Israel has joined the ranks of such crisis-ridden democratic systems as Italy or the 1950s Fourth Republic in France. There are several mathematic possibilities of forming a government headed either by Benjamin Netanyahu or one of his many rivals in a fragile coalition, but all of those point to a continued period of instability. As the votes are finally and formally counted, with each fraction changing size able to tilt the results, we will try to find our way in the fog. To analyze this topic, we're joined from central Israel by former Knesset member Dov Lipman, who's the Secretary General of the Confederation of United Zionists. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Mr. Mitchell Barak, who is the CEO of Kivun Research Group. Thank you for joining us as well. And with us in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of uh, our own Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a lighthouse beacon to steer us out of the fog at this stage. So we are not only uh, flying uh, in fog, uh, but also uh, in turbulence. And uh, things are changing uh, by the hour, sometimes by the moment. Uh, it's unprecedented the way uh, the uh, Israeli uh, voters, uh, many of them, hundreds of thousands of them, uh, this time around uh, put the ballots in double envelopes because they voted away from home for uh, health or other reasons. So uh, what seemed um, possible and even probable on uh, election night changed uh, course several times over the uh, next couple of days. But we can have some uh, generic comments. First of all, uh, this is the fourth time in a row um, with Netanyahu trying to break the 60-member uh, uh, um, ceiling uh, with a stable coalition, even though, of course, he, he may try to headhunt people from the other side. But if one looks for a stable coalition, he failed for a fourth time in a row. Doesn't mean that he won't be given the chance and uh, given the chance that he may not succeed. But even if he does, and we saw it um, over the last year, it is bound to fail uh, within a relatively short time. The other um, uh, fact uh, which uh, should be mentioned is that the so-called left in Israeli politics uh, this time around, uh, as reflected by the votes for Merits and labor doubled its uh, uh, power from the last time around uh, with some, who knows, 14, 15 seats to seven, and the seven included one defector to Likud, Oli Levy. So it's a significant uh, achievement which may not be translated eventually into governmental positions, but nevertheless, it means that uh, uh, they have been resurrected. The last point um, in this round is that the um, Arab electorate uh, got some 10% of uh, the vote, even though its share in the population is 20%. 
it means that they are underrepresented. They did not find the political mechanism to have the same power in the Knesset as they have in the general population. Perhaps they have to wait for another generation of leaders. Indeed. Well, uh, I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Mitchell uh, Barak the next question. As an uh, expert pollster, uh, having also uh, served right now as, uh, uh, if I may also uh, unveil, uh, you're, you were the, an advisor for one of the parties uh, uh, in uh, uh, this uh, round of elections. And, of course, uh, in the past, you were uh, the advisor of Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, uh, during the 90s, giving yourself uh, quite the uh, travel throughout various uh, uh, factions, political factions in Jerusalem, uh, and uh, uh, basically... Uh, giving us the chance to better understand at this stage of time, to what degree uh, are we headed to a fifth election if everything that is basically uh, on, on black and white at this stage um, alludes to the fact that projections from reality have not really changed over the course of the last several rounds. You know, we like to say the carrot and stick method, and, and the fifth elections is going to be that big stick that, whether it's Netanyahu or Lapid or anyone else or a conglomerate of people in the Knesset used to threaten the members of Knesset. And the public is also going to use that to threaten. And, and just like the last time Netanyahu was able to put together a unity government with Gantz using the threat of another election. So I think that's going to be really used as, okay, guys, now we have to find a way to do it. The way that Netanyahu will successfully use that will be to say, like he did last night, come to me, I'm willing to take anyone back, uh, let's avoid the fifth elections. The question is, are the you know, 120 members of Knesset, is there a formula there where some of them can rally around another leader? It could be Yair Lapid, who's, who's, who's the second largest party. It could be someone else ahead of a party, someone else in a party, an interim person. But are they able to get together and say, we have to stop this deadlock. We do not want to go to the fifth elections. It's not fair to the public. And, and can something be there, even though we don't see it in the numbers now? Now, I like Amir's term of headhunting. You know, Netanyahu will be trying to headhunt or to poach members of Knesset, which is probably, I think, the lowest life form that there is in certainly the last election, where people run on a, on a platform of not, you know, sitting with someone, or they run on a platform of a certain ideology and then break it the next day. And that's going to be very apparent this election because a few of the lists are put together by people. There's no real party infrastructure to, uh, to Lapid's party, but his party is stronger because it's been around. But there's no infrastructure to SARS party. There's no real infrastructure to Bennett's party. These are people that have come in and they may be able to, to find a way. And there might be some people in Likud that say, you know, Netanyahu, you've done four elections, just like Gidon Sar said the last time. You've run four elections now and you haven't been able to put together a government. There could still be a mutiny within the Likud, meaning the people within the Likud are not particularly happy because the leader hasn't delivered. So we have to see, I think that again, we're gonna talk about avoiding fifth elections as much as possible, but the numbers for Netanyahu to put together a government that goes on one vote or two votes or three votes is not sustainable either. So 
they have to figure out a way to do it. That's what they're paid to do, the, the members of Knesset. Maybe they'll find a way. Uh, Mr. Lippmann, as a former Knesset member from the Yeshatid party, do you see uh, Yair Lapid enter into a, a government coalition with the backing uh, of the Arab uh, parties, which uh, will not naturally join his coalition, but rather uh, provide him an outside blocking um, um, block in order to provide him with the capacity to replace Netanyahu, even if it means just for a temporary period of time, that would grant them a better an, an opportunity to oust uh, the longtime Israeli leader. Uh, and to what degree do you see this current uh, stalemate uh, of repeated elections, one after the other, uh, basically changing, considering the fact that this is the way the the uh, Israeli society is currently projected onto the ballots. I'm happy that you shifted the question to the center-left side of the equation, because as much as we talk about Netanyahu failing to get any kind of a strong governing coalition of a majority of 61, the anti-Netanyahu camp, or the center-left camp, has also not found a mechanism to put together any kind of a sustainable coalition. So to get to the specifics of your question, uh, let's say, for example, Yair Lapid at 17 or 18 seats tries to put together a coalition. Let's even say he goes that step and tries to bring the Arab parties involved. Don't forget, for his coalition, he also is going to have to have Israel Beitenu of a Victor Lieberman who would not necessarily feel comfortable sitting with the Arab parties. He's going to have to have new hope of Gidon Saar, who's trying to build himself as a future right-wing leader who will basically be burying himself if he joins a coalition together with the Arab parties. If it has to involve Yamina of Naftali Bennett, this is a person who's aspiring to be the leader of the right wing post-Netanyahu. So we're not just looking for people who are trying to find this magic number of 61 right now. They're all thinking beyond this election as well. So the combination of the right-wing leadership, who are anti-Netanyahu, thinking beyond this, uh, govern this election, campaign, number one. And number two, the possibility of trying to find any sustainable government, when you're talking about from the joint list of the Arab parties all the way through the right wing of New Hope and Yamina, that's not a sustainable government of any kind. So any way you look at it, the anti-Netanyahu camp, or I'll also say the center-left camp, doesn't have its act together either. And therefore, that's part of the strong reason why we're at this stalemate. It's both Netanyahu's inability to form a stable government and the anti-Netanyahu or center-left camp's ability, inability to form any kind of a sustainable government. Indeed. Mr. Owen, is it safe to say that if we head to a fifth round of election, which would probably be held in October, uh, September, that would mean that... Benny Gantz, who might have lost significant amounts of, of uh, uh, votes, but at the same time received a lot higher than what the polls projected, will become the next prime minister of Israel based on the rotation government uh, agreement that was signed under the previous uh, joint or emergency government, how they called it. Well, that uh, would come in November, uh, which means that the uh, fifth uh, election would be a very good preparation for the sixth election, which in turn would be, and I don't have to finish uh, this line of thought or, mm -hmm. or uh, of uh, <laughs> craziness. Now, uh, yes, the, the uh, basic law 
government, uh, which was changed specifically uh, to uh, become tailor-made for Netanyahu and Gantz, uh, would make him uh, a prime minister if we get there. But it also means that for all the others, Netanyahu is the big obstacle on the road to progress, even for them politically. It does not stand to reason that people like uh, Bennett or Saar would like to see Netanyahu stay in office for another four years. Uh, and the same goes for the Likud, even though, uh, just to amplify on what was said regarding the uh, mutiny, yes, uh, there was a mutiny on the bounty, but then the mutineers uh, had to settle on Pitcairn Island. And uh, those who came back to England were <laughs> found themselves uh, short by, by a head. So uh, usually Likud politicians do not like uh, to lead a mutiny. They, they may want to enjoy it, but uh, uh, they, would, uh, uh, they did not seem up to now very bold. Now, regarding the, the Arab uh, vote, um, Dov said that uh, it would not uh, be probable for uh, Lapid or the others uh, to form a coalition which on one hand or one extreme uh, would uh, include Saar and others and on the other, the Arabs. But his coalition can be divided into the government side and the Knesset side. The joint list and obviously Mansour Abbas do not necessarily want cabinet portfolios. They want budgets for the communities and they want the uh, uh, chairmanship of Knesset committees uh, with supervision over these uh, domains. So this can, can be uh, arranged. And Netanyahu did a, a lot to legitimize the Arabs. You know what was the, the last, the very last call, desperate call he made on election night when before the, the uh, polls were closed? He called on the Arabs to vote for Likud because if he stays in office, he is going to arrange direct flights to Mecca for those Muslims who want uh, to perform the Hajj uh, duty of, of devout uh, believers. So he cannot now retract and say, you, you uh, Lapid, you Bennett, you Sar cannot uh, uh, sit on Arabs' shoulders. He put himself in a tough spot. Nevertheless, uh, Mr. Mitchell, when we're looking at the, at the polls, it is safe to say Netanyahu has once again won the majority of mandates within a minor, potentially minority government, which uh, in his eyes and the eyes of many Israelis may legitimize him after four rounds as somebody who should remain as Israel's prime minister for another four years or uh, another three months at least. Yep. Until his heart stop, stops beating. He is convinced that he will be and should be the prime minister of Israel till his very last breath. And it doesn't matter whether he gets 31 seats or 21 seats, he will find the constellation to put that together. So, you know, he feels that this is his job, this is his purpose, and he will fight for it. And he is the one who will fight the most for it. That's what makes him the tenacious fighter that he is. Uh, it's also given that he has a trial and so forth. Uh, if I could just come back to what Amir says, meaning I've done a lot of polling in the Arab, uh, among the Israeli Arab sector uh, over the last number of years. And I can tell you within that population, it's about 80% of that population either 
Israeli Arabs say, let's sit in the government, probably about 40%, and probably about another 40% say, let's support it from the outside. So that community very much wants to be a part of the government. And I find it, you know, almost offensive in that we sit here like everyone sits yesterday and all of the leaders say, you even ask a question, Amir, as if it's normal. Would Yair Lapid sit in the government with the tw- that represents 20% of the Arab population and you lament the fact that they're only represented by 10% of the population? Meaning this is a form of Israel is a democracy. Every citizen has a right to vote. And every citizen should have a right to be respected and to sit in the government. If, you know, if, if people, are politicians saying these are not loyal citizens? Are politicians saying that they have no right to be part of the government, part of the budget? I think there's a real uh, problem with Israeli democracy that would require some immediate attention. When in the last election, everyone from Yair Lapid and Benny Gantz was even asked the question, would you rely on the Arab parties in order to be prime minister? I mean... We had the nation state law. The nation state law was clear as far as it's a Jewish state, but we also know that this is a democratic state. Where are we going to draw the line? And when is it okay to say there may be some real racism going on that should be addressed? Mr. Lippmann, uh, your response? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I have two things to say. The first thing is I certainly hope we reach a point where there is representation from the Arab population in the government and even in minister positions. Uh, I do feel that in this particular situation, it has to do with specific issues with things that these specific Arab representatives have said, meaning uh, do we just say we open the doors to the government to parties where there are members of the party that talk about IDF soldiers as murderers or seem to have some kind of quiet support for terrorists that Activity. Uh, that's one of the things that Mansour Abbas of the Ram Party has very much changed. He is, has his own party where he has said, we are not here to talk about nationalistic issues or the Palestinian issue. We are here to try to help the Arab population. And that's why both Netanyahu, and now I'm just getting a message that Yair Lapid has already made up to speak with him, that they've been speaking over the last few days, uh, they might play a role with their four or five seats in a government. And I, I think that demonstrates that Israel is not the racist society that's often described as in terms of its relations with the Arab uh, representatives in the Knesset. It's very specific. If they are willing to say we are here as elected representatives to help our population, I do believe that most of the parties in the Knesset will be open to working together with them. The part that's rejected are the ones who are much more extreme and much more pro-Palestinian and almost anti-Israel and anti-the IDF. Let let me clarify this point. Uh, First of all, uh, the question uh, has to do with uh, perceptions by politicians, which may not um, uh, reflect reality, but uh, perceptions are what make them uh, work, uh, that they will be punished by the electorate in the next round if they do X or Y. Well, and not only that, it's also the fact that the joint list, let's face it, it's a communist party on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's a Arab-Palestinian and that, nationalist that's, party. So that's the second point. Right. If, if Israel is involved in uh, a political process, a peace process, with the Palestinian Authority, there comes the question of dual loyalty. When you are sitting in the Knesset, or uh, especially in the government, and Israel is negotiating with some outside party, in this case the Palestinians, are you an Israeli or a Palestinian? 
Um, and usually you don't uh, ask it of a, of a Jewish-American senator when there is a, a United States vis-a-vis -vis Israel conflict. But the reality, the sad reality, and of course uh, uh, our two um, interlocutors are right, it's a sad reality, which should be changed, but many Israeli politicians, especially if they come from the right, are afraid that their voters will punish them if they uh, go with the... And their voters will punish them because this has been amplified time and again as something taboo. And other voters will reward them. So uh, they should dare it. Indeed. Well, uh, Mr. Barak, heading once again into the various makeups possible, are we heading to a fifth election? This is yet to be very clear. Uh, and to what degree... Is this just time and again uh, elections very much the same as the previous ones that projections once again provide us with, with uh, what society here in Israel is and that is it's divided? Well, I'm not the right person to ask because I didn't think there would be a second elections. I didn't think there would be a third elections. And I certainly didn't think there would be a fourth elections. So I'm going to go with, I hope not, and, and I don't see it. Uh, you know, I will say that people are saying the system is broken. I'm not convinced the system is broken. I think the people in it are very broken and very self-centered, and they're not thinking about governing. For example, three parties were running and talking about a rotation before you even had the vote. We're trying to elect a prime minister of a country, a leader. This is not like a, it's a group effort because the prime minister is the first among equals. But this is not a rotation that we're going to have a leader for six months and then another leader for six months and another leader as a month. That's a breakdown of democracy. But the system is very vibrant here in that even if you have a strong and stable government of 65, 75, 85 seats, you can have a political coup d'etat in Israel. If 61 members of Knesset get together tomorrow or the next day or in a month or in six months and say, hey, We've got a new person that we want to be prime minister and we want to elect that person. You don't even have to go to elections. It's among those 120 members. And that's a very healthy part of the democracy. So the question should really be why, as we've gone through four election cycles, can there be no man or woman that can stand up and rally 61 members of Knesset to break this deadlock and to and to challenge the Netanyahu's leadership and say, hey, we have to move forward and find a compromise candidate. That's the real question, I think. Mr. Lippmann? I'm going to disagree with my good friend Mitchell and just say we, we are not electing a, a prime minister. We are electing a Knesset, and that is exactly why I believe the system does have to change because uh, as long as the system is just creating – again, these elections chose 120 members of Knesset. That's it. If we had a system where people were going to the polls to vote for a prime minister, then we would have a, a, a result. Whether people like the result or not, there would be that result. So I do believe – that the lesson of this constant loop that we're in right now has to be electoral reform, changing the system. I believe it has to include term limits. I believe it has to be votes for prime minister. I believe it has to include regional elections in terms of representatives from various areas in the country, really thinking through how to change it. But here's the problem. To change it, the 120 members who are elected have to change it, and none of them are running to do that. Mr. Barak, your response to that? 80% of what he says, but I won't say 80%, meaning the system could use an update. There's no question. There's no question that, you know, direct elections. And I worked with Netanyahu 
when he voted against the Likud party, citing vote against the Likud party to have direct elections of the prime minister. And many said he ruined his political career as a result of going against Shamir and the, and the Likud. But that also didn't, didn't elect a workable system because you had the show horse that could be elected, but not the workhorse that could actually. So a prime minister would be elected and then he couldn't put together a, a working government. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I'll agree with the term limits. Uh, I'm not sure the regional part has to be. There should be a better system. But those 120 members that we elected, their job is now to find a prime minister. That's their job is to elect a prime minister. So they need to do that. They need to find a way to do that. The president will help them find the person who's most likely to do it. But if they can't within that group, then they need to get together and do that. And there was almost a play to do that with, I think, Bougia alone being a compromise candidate for a period of a year instead of going to the next elections. Um, they have to figure out a way to do it. That's what the that's what is needed right now. Mr. Uh, Owen, when we're talking about the makeup of Israeli society, of course, uh, the ideas of, of specific people usually range between one or two parties and, and they don't want adventurism too much. But uh, there was such a case in 2006 when Dili could, under Prime Minister Bimi Netanyahu, had merely 12 seats. The next election in 2009, suddenly he jumped to 27 seats, second to Tsipi Livni at the time who won 29 seats, and she even though being the uh, candidate with the largest party behind her, refused to succumb to demands of the ultra-Orthodox factions, which then referred to Netanyahu, and Netanyahu managed to do so because he was willing to budge. How do you see this now continuing in a reality where uh, Israeli society might reach that point where they say, okay, we had enough, let's move on? Well, that example you bring up uh, is still uh, open uh, to uh, revisionism, because uh, if you ask uh, Tsipi Livni, there was no chance for her anyway, because Netanyahu had a deal with this party, Shas, uh, even before the elections, as well as with another party leader, uh, Rafi Eitan. If you ask uh, someone like Ronnie Baron, the uh, former uh, Minister of Finance, who wanted to um, have a deal uh, done for Tsipi Livni and then uh, elect her, he would have done it. But nevertheless, uh, the president was mentioned here, Ruby Rivlin. Mm -hmm. He may still decide not to give the uh, formation of the government to, to uh, Netanyahu and ask Likud for someone else. Also, when we talk about Naftali Bennett, um, Naftali Bennett may be faced with the um, choice not between Lapid or someone else and Netanyahu, but between Lapid or someone else and fifth elections. If the choice is being presented as this one, and he may get a plum job, even perhaps the prime ministership, at least in title, because as we all said, uh, the entire government uh, would really lead the country, this is still a possible route. When we're talking specifically about the whole uh, makeout, it, it, it's not clear yet where things are heading. Of course. But uh, we'll have to revisit this topic and we'll be happy to reinvite uh, the both of you to discuss this once again next week. But this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank former Knesset member Lippmann, Mr. Barak, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. 
For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.